Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. It's good to see you guys. You're looking good. Oh, thanks, Bonnie. <laughs> Appreciate that, you know. Well, I want to talk about some things, and, and I, I feel like the theme was, was they, they were really singing that theme towards the end of that, um, of their session there, the, the worship. And there's a scripture that I want to start off with. It's 1 Peter 2, 9. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That's who we are, you know? A royal priesthood. Not just the priests, the guys that wear the little white collar. As a matter of fact, usually they're illegitimate. But in Christianity, Christians are a royal priesthood. Amen. Yeah. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. We're different. A people for his own possession that we may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness and into light. You know? we, are the, we are the testifiers of the reality of what God has done. We are the poster children, the exemplars, the exemplifiers of that reality. And we're a priesthood called to minister to Him and to people. And um, it's not this that we, we can... We can we can categorize that which is secular and that which is spiritual or religious. But what this scripture is saying, this fellow named Peter that's writing this by the Spirit of God, because it is the Word of God, is that like there isn't anything secular anymore for you. You are the priesthood. This is why everyone likes Star Wars. Because these priestly guys in robes go around and they always trump darkness everywhere they're at. And the kids like it, you know, 40 years after it was made or 50, whatever it was. I don't know. I'm old. But it's like when I was a little kid, they still like the same things now because it's in their DNA, you know. And um, it's this it's not that we don't live in a natural world um, where we're actually called to be fruitful and multiply. It's just that everything we do in this natural world, we actually do it with him now. As this kingdom of priests, that's out of his mouth, in red, in the book of Revelation, you know. And um, there's a famous man, he said something about doing the common things uncommonly, with, you know, doing things that are common uh, with excellence, basically. And um, um, it's an aspect of the anointing that we're actually called to walk in. There's another Christianese word, anointing, which means doing things with him, in relationship to him, with him on the inside. Doing things with excellence. Not just, air quotes, spiritual things, but everything we put our hands to is spiritual. Yeah, yeah man. The overly spiritual or the religious, that pseudo-spiritual mind, that type of person, they don't... The overly spiritual man doesn't put his hands to anything because he sees things as common or secular and he wants to wait to live a spiritual life. But the spiritual man, the truly spiritual, is living in God. Christ within him is the hope of glory. And that is our religion. And so everything we do is sanctified. And everything we do is as a priest. 
Even our secular jobs, we're doing them as unto the Lord. And the excellence of that reality is bleeding into our secular world. You know, there is no separation. There's no, nothing secular that we do. We've been made kings and priests. And so we're still, I'm still thinking, you know, we're, we're a few weeks out, out of the Passover. The reality of the resurrection is still setting in the disciples, you know, nearly 2,000 years ago, you know, 1,900 and whatever it is, 92 years ago, you know, and it, or three or whatever it is. And, and so it's just like this, this reality is hitting but I want to talk about the disciples coming to this understanding, but them doing it as examples for us. Because even as I'm saying this, that this, this word from Peter that we are this you know, chosen, peculiar race of people now. We're a new breed, this royal priesthood. Um, um, they, they were learning this with Jesus coming back, talking to them and teaching them. And I love, you know, the book of John it's kind of like when I say I'm going to close with this and then I still go for like 15 minutes and I, I apologize for that. Um, but John does that a couple times in his actual gospel if you've ever read it. And um, actually John, it, it, it's like he tries to end John in John 20. And it's, you know, it's the very end, you know, Jesus has come back, he shows himself to the disciples. Then he comes back and he shows himself and Thomas is there, right? We went over that. My, and and put, put your hands in, my, in the holes of my hands, you know what I mean? Touch my side, Thomas. It's don't be unbelieving. And and Thomas does it, and he says, my Lord and my God. And it's such a beautiful thing. But um, it's, it's kind of like those Marvel uh, X-Men type of movies these days. You ever watch the end of those? You never get out of your seat when it's over with. Because you know after the credits, something else is going to come up. They're going to have a whole other scene. And that's what John 20 is. John 20 is like, put your hands on my side, put your hands on my wrist, you know. And then John closes, says, and truly, John 20, verse 30. Let this sink into your, into your mind, too. It's like, this is weird. And truly, Jesus did many other things in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And then the credits start to roll. Like, whoa. That last scene, Jesus coming back, even to Thomas, touching his side. You know, this is... Woo, our minds are being blown. And then, and he leaves this last verse of just like, hey, and by the way, all the things that I've written and that are written in this book, we're talking about Jesus raising people from the dead. Lazarus, three days in, you know what I mean? We're talking about the kid at the funeral, you know, all, all these different things that they're seeing. Jesus appearing through walls. You know, he's multiplying food supernaturally. He's touching people that have leprosy, literally touching them, which was, is gross and, and, and a scary thing, inserts himself into that situation, spitting in people's faces. And it's just like these things that blow our minds. He vanishes. The, 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 you know, the Pharisees try to kill him, and that's actually in John. It's like they're, 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 they're ready to throw stones at him, but he, he cloaks himself and walks among them and, and past them because it wasn't his time yet. You know, this is past the Jedi stuff. And John is saying, hey, and by the way, there's so much more stuff that he did that's not written in this book. This is just to initiate the relationship to you and him. That's all I'm doing. In other words, don't let anything in this limit you in the levels of the depth of what you can walk in with him. It's just like, it's, it's a clause at the end that says, and by the way, he's, this, is, this isn't even the whole thing. He did so many more things in front of us. This is just so that you'll believe he's the son of God. I just want you to have an, a connection to him. 
Just like Peter and the disciples. Who, who do men say that I am? You're the Christ. Blessed are you, you know, on this rock of Omicron. But what do you say? Flesh and blood has not revealed it, but your Father is in heaven. This book is meant to do that same thing. It's not to meant to be flesh and blood. It's like, hey, this is just to initiate that connection. And one, where it goes from there is out of this world. And John knew this because he had been out of this world before he wrote this book. Really out of this world. Really out of this world. The book of Revelation. You know? And so that's how he, he ends the book. And the credits start to roll. But we know how this thing goes. I'm not getting out of my seat, dude. You know what I mean? I'm waiting. Because then there's another scene. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples on the Sea of Tiberias. And then John 21 starts. It's like, I thought you were done, preacher. I'm hungry. It's time to go. You know, it's like, no, I've got another scene, you know. And he, and he, and he goes into it. So their minds are being blown. And Simon Peter says, hey, I'm going fishing. And the other guys were like, well, we're going with you. Um, they went out and immediately got in a boat. And, and all night they didn't catch anything. So here's the fishermen that are professional they don't even know what to do. Their minds are being warped around the reality of this resurrected person. They caught them way off guard. You know, Jesus has opened up their mind to understand the scriptures, but it's like this stuff is settling into. They haven't been to Sunday school, y'all, in America. You know, this is like, this is mind-boggling trauma of seeing death and torture. And then it's back, and it's like, I did it on purpose. They're having all these things, you know what I mean? You did this on purpose. You crazy, man. This is wild, but you won, so this was victory. And it's just like, yeah. But they're coming to this knowledge. It's like, now we're the kings and priests of this new kingdom. And... um. So they're like, let's go, let's go fish. Like, sounds good. <laughs> you know what I mean? They just all go, they're all going, you know, back to their jobs. Like, so now we're the X-Men. We're these awesome people. What do we need to do? Like, I guess it's time for us to go back to work at our regular jobs, dude. You know, like, he breathed on us, man. Like, yeah, I know. It's cool, but we got to work, you know, let's go back. And so they're going fish and they don't, they don't catch anything all night. But of course, in verse five, there's a stranger. It says he's about 100 yards off the shore. So he's shouting to a boat that's about 100 yards away and asking them, Kids, you guys catch anything tonight? Y'all catch anything? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I just imagine him out there cloaked up, got a little hood over his head, you know, on the shore, about 100 yards away. And they're like, they're like what's, that, what's that guy? Ah! They just, ah! you know, they're hearing this guy yelling at them. They're like, what? You're like, you catch anything? Like, no. And and he had a grill and he had some stuff set up. He had a fire he did not a not a not a Kroger, but you know, he had a he had a fire set up with, with stuff over it to like he was preparing to like do a little cookout out there, is what it says. And so there's a guy's like, What's he yell he's yelling at it? what is he saying? You know? It's, it's kind of a good distance to yell. You can still hear, but it's kinda of far. And um you can't see him very well. He's probably you know, he's disguised a little bit. And then he's like Throw the net on the other side of the boat. Throw the net on the other side of the boat. And you can imagine they're like, huh? And he's like, throw it on the other side. You know what I mean? They're like looking at him like, what? Like, but these professional fishermen, because Peter and James and John and Andrew, all four were, um, they had a business together, a fleet. And, but something about that, they're like, really? Something was like, because that's stupid. You're a professional. If you didn't catch fish all night, maybe walk over, throw it over 12 feet on the other side and see what happens to you. You know what I mean? And it's just like, well, that's kind of dumb. The fish doesn't work that way. You know, they don't just park. But 
I can see them, them boys looking at each other like, what? They're like, yeah, this is something. And see, we know the backstory. We've seen Luke 5, right? We've seen Luke 5 when Jesus first goes and he gets his disciples. When he first is going and he's getting these guys. And he's meeting this crew and he's meeting the disciples. Um, and he goes into the synagogue and he heals a man. And then, he, and then that night he comes to Peter's house. And Peter's not fully sold on Jesus yet. He, he, Andrew is, but he's kind of learning. And James is, John is, it seems like. you know. But he, you know, he's not even fully yet. Not, none of them are fully sold on him, except for a couple that were with John the Baptist. And so he ends up going into, what is it? It says in, in, he, he heals Peter's mother-in-law, his wife's mom. Of sickness, So they're like, this guy's different. But then in Luke 5, we see this scenario where Jesus is coming out speaking about the kingdom of God. And the crowd got so big around him um, that it would have crushed him. So it was a large group of people, which he's with Peter and the guys. And he goes and gets, he's, he's on the coast, and he goes and gets in one of the ships that happens to be Peter's. One of the fleet of their ships. And he asked Peter, like, hey, push this off so that I can be away enough, have enough space that I'm not getting, you know, squeezed in on but i can still speak so he's you know a little bit off the shore and he speaks the kingdom of god but it says after he speaks this message in luke 5 maybe i should just turn it over i'm cliff notes in it you don't need me to read it but because you guys can read it yourself and um but you know he, after he speaks this message about the kingdom of god he literally he he stops and afterwards and and, and he says to him says launch out your net into the deep and let let down your nets for a catch to which simon was like yo we've been doing it all night like there's nothing, they're not, the fish aren't here right now. They're not, they're not biting. It's apparent. Like we've had a tough night. And, but it says, and he, and he kind of tells them that master, we've toiled all night. I'll do it for you at your word. I'll do it. Right. That's Luke five, six, Luke five, 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 six. And, and it says when he, when he throws the net in, it pulled in so many fish that the nets were about to break. And so they had to call their partners like, yo, come and help us, you know, and you know, signal, signal the partners in the other boat, like, which in, we come to find out, you know, the sons of thunder, James and John, you know, they're like, and they're like, oh my gosh, what in the world? We've been out all night. Like what? They're like, what is going on? This is, this is a, ma it's like a magic trick. Like this is miraculous. Um, and Peter instantly drops down at Jesus' feet, like depart from me. I'm sinful. And, and I'm a sinful man. You know, I don't, you know, I got a dirty mouth, whatever. You know, he's like, I, I'm, I'm not him. To which Jesus, in the presence of all of them, he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. There's the tree of life, first knowledge. Don't be afraid. Um, from now on, you'll catch men. And it's just like, oh my gosh, you're the real thing. You're him. Um, I should be afraid of you. I'm not worthy to be around you. And it's just like, that's just the poison talking. You're okay to be around me. I, I'm picking you follow me. And they, James and John, follow me. And so, boom, the crew starts to get stacked up. So we, we know this story, right? But it's fun to look back. Um, so, so that's happening. But now we're looking at John 21 after the credits, the, 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 the extra scene, right? Um, and you've, you've got somebody on, go on the other side, which is a dumb thing to say. But all of them are like, they've already been visited by him a few times. They're like, do what that guy says. <laughs> Who is that? I don't know yet. <laughs> they throw the net in, same thing happens. The net, boom, it gets caught, bang. Like in their secular profession, in their secular job, you know, there's something there, the royal priesthood. Yeah, man, it's, there's something there for us, you know? There's so much there for us. And they start to yank the thing in, and, and we know what happens. But this time, 
um, they weren't able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish, it says. So they had to like drag it to the shore, which is, I guess, you know how that works. But therefore, the disciple whom Jesus, it's funny that John doesn't even call himself by his own name. And there's so much to that. But he says, says to Peter, he says, it's the Lord. Like, that's him. You know, he's 100 yards away. He's cloaked up, but it's like, yo, it's him. And um, says, you know, Peter hears it and he actually jumps into the water. And starts, he's like, all right, good luck with the fish. Y'all, y'all lug that in. I'm going to, I'm, I, I got to go, you know. He loves them, you know. And so that's a beautiful um, story that illustrates that. Um, but, you know, they come to the beach, you know, they, they're, they're there together. Um, Jesus is like, bring some of those fish, you know what I mean, that you just caught, you know. Uh, as soon as they came to land, they saw a fire of coals and fish laid on it and bread. Like he had the breakfast buffet set up, you know what I mean? He had it, which is just funny to think. This is I am, you know, this is, Elo- this is, uh, this is Yahweh embodied. And like here he is cooking food like for the, for the, for the homies, for the, for the crew, you know, and just like you're, you're, you're still serving us. You've already won and showed us this, but you're still doing this. It's like, yeah, that's who I am. And that's who you are. You know, and so it's like, man, that, that'll impart something to you if you just see it. It'll transform you from, from glory to glory, you know. It's just, it's just like, yeah, there's not, there's not a lot of ego. There's actually no ego yeah. in the I am. It's just, it's, in, it's so backwards to us. We can be so offended so easily by anything that insults our status. But you know what? That is the nature of Adam and Jesus. is just not like that. And he's just, doesn't have ego. And he's God embodied. So, you know, there's something there. And we're created in his image. So what does that say about us? We don't either. We're, we're, we're like him, you know, it's so cool. But, uh, you know, so come on and eat breakfast and no, one's, no one dares to ask him who he is because, you know, they know who he is. He takes the bread and gives it to him and the fish. And, you know, hey, remember, you know, that's one of those Easter eggs. Remember the bread and the fish. You know what I do with these bad boys? You know, I bring, pull them out of thin air. You know, they're all just, their minds are getting blown by him, you know. And, uh, you know, they had eaten breakfast and he looks over at Simon and, and, and Son of, son of Jonah, who Peter we know, and he says, hey, do you love me more than these guys? Do you love me more than the rest of these guys? <laughs> Calls him out straight to it, you know? Because we know what happened with Peter when Jesus was crucified, right? He sold Jesus out. He, he denied him three times. And um, I, I love it, like in, like in Matthew 26, 33 to 35, Peter answered Jesus when Jesus said, y'all are all going to scatter. He says, even if I, I won't be made to stumble and I will never be made to stumble. And even if every single one of them stumbles, I'll die with you. I don't care. And John, which is funny, the same book literally says, uh, you know, even if every single one of them, like, they, they like to quote him. They like to quote him like, hey, man, they, they might deny you, but I won't. You know, so he, he's, he's willing to sell out the, the other 11 in front of Jesus. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, well, they might. You're, you're all going to scatter. And like, well, yeah, I'm sure they all are, Lord, but trust me. I'm not scared of anything, and I'm down, dude. So Jesus is like, hey, Peter, hey, by the way, <clears throat> you love me more than everybody else? <laughs> Which is so great, you know what I mean? Um, I hope they do it, you know, you know it's, it's great to see that Jesus doesn't, he doesn't walk on eggshells, right? And if there's an elephant in the room, he, he walks up to it. If it's an invisible elephant, he walks up to it with a can of paint and throws paint on it so everyone can see it. You know what I mean? Hey, look at that. Hey, look at that. 
wow, that's a big elephant in front of us all now that everyone can see. You know what I mean? He's, he's not like us because he's not. There's the fear of man and timidity because he cares about the heart. So he's, he's ready to go directly in, which I think a lot of reason why people don't connect with him much because they know if I connect with him, he's going to touch that thing. And it's like, listen, man, it's valuable. He loves us. You know what I'm saying? Yes, you Lord. You know, and he's like, all right, feed my lambs. He says it again. Do you love me? Like, you know that I do. Yeah, we'll tend my sheep. And he does it a third time. Simon, do you love me? You know what I'm saying? He's like, you know, it says Peter was grieved. He was, he was upset. And um, he's like, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And he says, feed my sheep, which is such a brilliant thing. The guy that denied him three times, he comes and, and he three times reinstates this reality. Yeah. I know you're not you have some things that were in your heart, these fears that manifested that you didn't realize were there. Um, but I, you know, it's like Jesus told him that that was going to happen. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not that I didn't know you were going to sell me out. So if you're, if you're there in a, in a pile of shame and regret, which so many people are, especially in the relationship to God, it's like we manifested something dark or we missed the mark somehow. It's like, do you not think that God knew that? Can he not see through you like an x-ray and see that that darkness was there? And do you not think that he gives us opportunities for those things to manifest in relationship to him so that we can exchange them for his heart? Amen. And it's like, Peter, hey, I told you this was going to happen. You know what I mean? And I don't judge you. As a matter of fact, he was giving him charge over his sheep. So it, we can look at it as a kind of a rebuke or we can look at it as like he's positioning him. You're, you're the shepherd saying, hey, shepherd, shepherd, feed. He's given him a role. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, then we see Pentecost, you know, a month and, so, and some change later, and Peter's the one leading it yeah. in boldness. You know what I mean? It's this beautiful thing about the way God sees us, man. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. That means we're never actually disqualified. The darkness that manifests us that we feel so much shame about, it's like it never was a secret to him, you know. And so when it comes out of the heart, it's not a surprise. He's like, finally, are you ready to deal with that yet? Because it's not part of you. It's not how I see you. But you've taken it on as your identity. Why don't you let it go? That's meaty right there. You know, that's, there's something there. We're only disqualified, you know, just like Jesus said in, in, in John 3. It's like, this is the condemnation that the light manifests and people love their darkness more than light so they don't come to it. The only disqualification is not on his end. It's that we choose to hold on to things instead of walking them out with him. When he's freely saying, I pull fully paid for that. Like I saw it. Uh, yeah, I already saw it. You're really embarrassed, ashamed about it. But like, I actually knew it was there. It's not a big deal to me at all. I love you way beyond that. You know what I'm saying? And so Peter's a, a leader of the crew is getting, is getting that. He's been, he's, he's getting set back on that path, but it's not that he wasn't on the path. It's like in his mind, he was dealing with this disqualification probably that was not of the Lord. Yeah, you know, that's right. it was a great opportunity. Feed my sheep. So he's telling him these things, and they're kind of walking down the beach, I, I'm imagining. Um, and he tells them, you know, when you were younger, you girded yourself, and you walked where you wish. Well, when you're old, you're going to stretch out hands, and people are going to carry you in a place where you don't want to go, signifying, like, how he was going to live his life and how he was going to die on behalf of, the, of this reality. And um, in other words, Peter, like you said, you would die for me. Like, you're going to have an opportunity to. And I know you're going to do it because I know that you're down. You know what I'm saying? And um, these things, it says he spoke signifying that. But in verse 20, it says, Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. 
which is what John calls himself, which I can see that's kind of annoying. So Peter was kind of annoyed by him. You just think you're so special, but it was true. It's pure, because John's probably one of my favorite people. I'm not saying that in a mean way. But it, was, it, it kind of chapped Peter. You know, you could, it seems that. Because he turns around and he sees the disciple whom Jesus loved following him. In other words, John, I'm writing this, and I was in on the conversation. I was creeping, listening to them talk. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, get away from us, John, the youngest one. And, um, but he's like, you know, he saw, he saw John, who had leaned on his breast at a supper, you know, all these things. And Peter said to Jesus, hey, but what about him? What about him? How, he's going to die, right? You know, he's got to... <laughs> And Jesus says this in verse 22, If I will that he remain till I come, what is it to you? What's it to you if John never dies, Peter? Your job is to follow me. You know what I mean? It's like, yikes. Verse 23, I love that John writes this. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remain till I come, What's that to you, Peter? <laughs> this is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And this is the next closing scene. And there are also many other things that Jesus did. If they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. And it's like, wow. First he tried to say, like, there's more things that he did than this, and this is just so that you'll believe in him. But then he tried, then we got another, oh, there's extra scene after the credits. Then we watched that beach scene, Peter's kind of restoration. The disciples are, you know, getting their mind blown. Uh, then you got John saying, you know, the, the rumor of John never dying because of the way Jesus said that. Like, well, if you think about his words, he just said, what's it till I come? He didn't say I would never die. You know what I mean? And so all this thing that this, this, this legend but then he closed it with many, there's many other things Jesus did. Like the world, you know, and the way that's translated, the, the world wouldn't have a room to receive or wouldn't be able to receive the things that he did. And so it can be looked at as like so many people are writing books, so like they'd be all over the place. But it's also worded in a way that it's like, it would, it would break people's brains if they realized some of the things that Jesus did. Like, they just couldn't deal with it. They couldn't, they couldn't, like, that, okay, that sounds like, that's a little much. That's crazy. So this is how the Bible ends, y'all. Because I believe this is the last book ever written. And um, personally, and it's debate between this and Revelation, but the same guy wrote them both. And I believe this is the last one. But that's how the, that's how our, that's how the Gospels definitely closed. But that's how the Bible closes. It's like, hey, and by the way, never limit God. Because Jesus is way beyond your, way, your ability to rationalize or think. And, and the sky is, it's not even the limit. There is no limit. Amen. And that's how, it's, that's how they land this thing. Amen. And it's like, man, we've seen some really crazy things. Not in Jesus, even in the other guys. And it's just like Jesus saying, those who come after me will do these things, but they'll even do greater things than these. So that's out of his mouth in red as well. So we have this, we have this mentality of this supernatural walk of Christianity that is not this Americanized religion that most of us have grown up in. And it's not just America, it's the whole, whole world is this way. But it's like, there's, a, there's an unlimited mind that we are called to have in this reality of the power of God who is with us at all times and in us, in this religion we call Christianity, which is Christ within you, the very hope of glory, which is 
we are now a chosen race. It's like, well, yeah, well, some of us have, you know, me and Alan have different color skin. It's like, yeah, 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 but you guys are a chosen. All that's done in foolishness. Like you are now a brotherhood, a family, a sisterhood. A, you know, you are now something different. And you are a royal priesthood, a kingly nation, a kingdom of priests, a kingdom of priests. It's like that's, that's just such a strange but brilliant concept. And the only way we find expression is like in a Star Wars movie or something. You know what I mean? But it's like it is our reality. And he's closing this with this, this unlimited view of heaven and of the kingdom that we're called to walk in. And Jesus actually, in their, in their quote-unquote secular life, causing the abundance and blessing of heaven to manifest around them and in them and among them. And it's not a prosperity preaching. I'm definitely not against prosperity, but it's something so much higher than that. It is the fruit of heaven being born in our life, in everything, not only in the natural, but also in our relationships, in our life that are, people are saying, you're different. You know what I'm saying? It is a freedom that... that bleeds in or spreads into every secular arena that we find ourselves into because now, excuse me, nothing is secular to us. We are, it is a guerrilla war, meaning we're not, in, we're not in priest uniforms and collars. We blend into the world. We're in the world. We're just not of it. We're from somewhere else. The ambassadors of heaven that are called to release it in the here and now. And so the credits can roll right there, man. And the movie's done with. But wait a second. Let's do another one. I, I think the next scene right there, if I'm, if I'm directing this, the Passion Part 2 of the Christ, you know, and I'm doing the, I'm, or yeah, Part 2 or whatever you want to call it, The Chosen, is that the show that they like, you know? If, if they call Director DT in there, I'm closing it right there. Next thing you know, boom. You got, the next scene is, John, the guy writing this, in one of the, like, tied up in, like, one of those, like, Iron Maiden torturing devices. That's scary. I did a, we did a field trip to um, Medieval Times when I was a kid in sixth grade. And after, after the jousting and you get to eat the turkey leg, you know, all that's so great. But you walk through the dungeon on the way out. And it was so scary to me. It messed me up a little bit, to be honest. Uh, but those Iron Maidens, it's like, it's like a casket that's just, like, it's like a jail cell that only your body can fit in. So they can take you and dip you underwater or whatever. Torture people, you know? But that's the next scene of the movie, right? So he's in that Iron Maiden. And because, okay, so, so here's what it is, right? This rumor that he would never die. When I was an early Christian, you know, I didn't get a lot of the things, you know, people were like, well, I'm going to die for Jesus and all that stuff. And I was like, yee, you know what I mean? And people are like, you know, uh, you know. You know, the end times are going to get bad. They're going to ask you if you're a Christian. They're going to kill you on the spot. And I'm like, yee. It's like, that doesn't seem, something about that doesn't seem right. You know, the, that eschatological view is, it seems a little skewed. But I know that happens, and it's happened a lot. But it's like, I, there seems to be something more. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I was like, but there is the middle, medieval times type of field trip I went on, you know. And, um, but I was, I was so hungry for the Lord um, at this school that I was at. And, you know, and I, it was away from, you know, I couldn't. I wasn't around my friends and family and all that stuff because it was college. And so I remember going into the, to the library um, and, um, on the weekend and just being hungry for God and going into the religious section of the actual college and thinking maybe there's something I can read in here that'll be cool. And I found this book called The Fox's Book of Martyrs. 
right? You heard of this? You know, it's very old. And it talks about all the disciples and the ways that they died. Peter being hung upside down, you know, John, which John, you know, you know, Jeremiah cut in half, you know, John being cut through and this guy getting beheaded and John the Baptist beheaded, you know, it talks all the, and, and there's, there's a thing for every single disciple except for John. And it's an old historic book. It's, it's valuable. But when it comes to John, they tell the scene I'm about to say. It literally talks about this scene, and I don't know if it's an Iron Maiden, but like when he was sentenced to death, they dipped him in a cauldron of oil, boiling hot oil, which they would dunk somebody in there. Is there any, there's, no, there's a couple kids, they're little, you know what I mean? But you know, that's not a good thing, so we'll stop right there. So it's not, it doesn't work for you. doesn't work for you. It's not a good skincare. Put it that way. Come out looking different, you know what I mean? They just boil them things alive and then bring them back, you know what I mean? It's all bones, you know? And so... That's what they like to do, and probably dip them in slow and everything else. But if I'm watching, you know, but the, but in Fox Book of Martyrs it says that he was dipped in that, and he came out, and he didn't, he didn't. There was not a hair singed on him, like he was completely immune to it. And it was just like, what? Now that I can get with. I like that. You know, that was the only one in that book. That book will stress you out when you get to that. You're like, yeah, dude, say something. You know, get it, get it, John. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm writing that that I'm I'm writing that scene. And I'm like, he's in that thing, and his feet start to go in that boiling oil, and they're like, yeah, let's watch him squirm. And I can just see in his mind thinking like, this actually feels kind of nice. This isn't hurting me, you know? And they're just lowering him in. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're tough. You're holding it back. And he's thinking like, no, it really doesn't hurt. You know, he's thinking about it. He just gets dunked all the way up under that thing, and then they leave him down there for a little bit. Have you ever had a dream where you could breathe underwater? I wonder if he's like... I'm dreaming right now. You know, he's like under that oil, like the bubble. He's looking around like, this isn't even hurting me. And I'm like, I was like, oh, this might, I might be in heaven. He pulls out, they pull him out. The oil's coming off his face. He can't see. And he's, he's waiting for the welcome choir. Like, yeah, we did it, boys. You know, he thinks he's going to be in heaven. He's looking back and he sees these Romans around. He's like, and they're looking at him shocked. And he's looking at them shocked. and like, am I still here? Am I, I'm not in heaven. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, like, what, what did you do? You know, like, oh, man. And so the fear of that reality, like, whoa. Like when they crucified Jesus and that centurion was like, whoa, he was the son of God. Like, whoops. Yeah, the sky goes black for three hours and earthquake hits when he breathes the last breath. Like, yeah, you did something wrong and they got it, right? But that's what happened to John. They're like, I'm, usually be like, behead him or something. They're like, I'm not doing nothing to him. I'm not touching that guy. God doesn't want him to die. I'm not going to be trying to do that. So... He gets shipped off to Patmos, the Isle of Patmos, which was like Australia, is the place where they send all the prisoners, you know, back in the day. So here's John in the Isle of Patmos because he couldn't be killed, because he was a little bit different than the other disciples, because he was the only one of the disciples who actually lived and went through the cross of the Lord Jesus. That's my, my thought, you know, but... You know, if you, if you look back at John 19, it's everybody scattered, but John actually came back to the cross. And John comes back, you know, and when Jesus, right before he breathes his last breath, he, he looks and he sees John, and he sees his mom, and he tells his mom, Mary, Jesus does, from the cross, woman, behold your son. And he looks at John and says, behold your mother. In other words, take care of my mom. I'm leaving, which is beautiful in itself. Golly, it all tear jerky, any of it, you know what I mean? But his closest guy, he's like, yo, take care of mom. You watch out for her for the rest of your life. It's like, dude, you got brothers. And some of them wrote the Bible. So why did he entrust her to John? That's a real brotherhood. That's real, man. And that's God. 
And so he says that, but it shows that John was actually there. He was the only one that came back. And he went through this, the true Passover, the blood, bloody marks on the door, which death couldn't touch. That's my thoughts. It's like he actually went through Passover. So when death came to get him, it was just like, I already went through. Talk about, you know, Paul saying, I've been crucified with Christ. That's somebody else who's resurrected from the dead multiple times. Because he was stoned multiple times, Paul was. And literally sat back up and walked into town. Remember that? You know what I'm saying? If you read the book of Acts, like stoning was not just pegging them down. At the end, they drop a millstone on the head and crush your brains out. You know, they kill you fully. You know, they thought he was dead and he would, he would sit back up and be okay. You know what I mean? It's just like, he, he, you know, so there was a reality of some of these things. You know, he died eventually, but John, there is no record of this. And so John gets, you know, in the scene after the credits, you see that and he's out. And then you're just like, what happens? And then it says maybe three months later, <laughs> you know what I mean, on the screen. <laughs> and then he's sitting on a beautiful island, sitting there looking at that clear water, just sitting there. And you have the book of Revelation, Revelation 1. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, wow, Revelation 1. It's like, you were what? Like, yeah. In other words, I was praying. We think of praying, but it's like, no, no, no. Like, I was actually in the spirit. I was praying and I was connecting on the Lord's day. And this is what happens to me, you know. And I hear the, the voice of God himself. I'm the alpha and the omega, the first and the last and all these things, you know. I have, I have all this ex experience with God. Grace and peace to you, he says in the book of Revelation, from him who was and who is and who is to come and from the seven spirits of God who are before his throne, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us, from our sins in his own blood. This fiery-eyed person that is God embodied, it's like, yeah, by the way, and he loves you. Yeah. That's John's message. Yeah. And it says in verse 6 of, John, of, of Revelation 1, and he has made us a kingdom and priests to his God and Father, to him be the glory and forever. Amen. And so there, here's this same thing that Peter was saying. We are this kingdom of priests. And it's just like, dude, John, you're, you're like the worst part of society, bro. Like, you're an inmate. You're a prisoner. And it's just like, I'm a, I am now in the kingdom of priesthood. I'm a priest in the kingdom of God. And so are you. It doesn't matter where you're at. And I'm writing letters in jail, or, you know, he is, <laughs> that are just like going to blow everyone's mind, you know. And it's going to enforced the deity of the Lord Jesus. And it's going to shape the reality of him falling like a dead man before Jesus' feet and saying, oh my gosh, it's you. And it's going to cause him to come back and write John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Like, yo, he's actually also God and Jesus himself. He is the Creator. I won't do that. I know I do that a lot, but you know what I'm saying? Like he gets this revelation, but also it's the revelation of what God actually tells him. You are a kingdom of priests. And, you know, it's just so beautiful right there. And um, it's funny. Let me look back here because I had something else for, for that. But Jesus goes on and says the exact same thing. Um, that you are a kingdom of priests. And so it happens twice in the book of Revelation. 
the first time there in the first there in the very first chapter and the second time he literally says after after these things i i looked and behold there was a door which is really a portal standing open in heaven and a voice which was like a trumpet called me come up here and i'm going to show you some things that are going to take place and we have the revelation of jesus christ like man who he truly is the reality of who he is and the words that he actually speaks to him about this priesthood that we're called to walk in that's a fun portion of the story isn't it i guess we can roll the credits at that part because it's just like everything he's saying is this this thing is so much bigger than we're thinking and so much more far-reaching but it reaches into the secular world of your very life and this this kingdom of priests that God has made us, you know what I mean? It's now, it's not, there's not a status or an elitist thing. Um, it's not like, you know, necessarily the belts in martial arts that you get to wear, which color you're at. Um, there is different levels of abiding in Christ and dying to self and, li- and him living in us. That's, that's what true spiritual authority looks like. Um, but there's not like a priestly collar that we have to wear. I like, I wish I wore one be cool and have to think about what you wear all the time, you know, Jedi robe or something, at least do something. Um, it's just a request, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. John is experiencing this. Peter is experiencing this in writing this. And there now is nothing secular that we put our hands to. We have this, it's not a rule. Okay. But it's something we've kind of discussed amongst several of us in here. We talked about it at the, the group that takes communion every week. And um, then there's some of us like we feel this standard of like the understanding of, of God being in you is a place of authority as, as a literally as a kingdom of priests of new creation that all of creation is waiting for to manifest. And the faith of that reality means if something happens in my sphere, I'm going to take it as a green light to take a shot, you know. Anything that comes into your sphere, right? The Lord has allowed it to be there. And so we've taken this. You don't have to take it like that. But we've taken it like if it pops off around me, I'm going to just trust like, all right, Lord, you allowed this to manifest here. So I'm going to address it or I'm going to go for it. And um, that's for strangers or people at work that come and just like, I've got this going on. I've got that going on. Or I have this sickness that I'm not able to get. I haven't been able to sleep, you know. If something comes and manifests it around you, you have the authority in God of like, okay, it's time to release heaven. And I told you, it's like the, they, they, they seem like they kind of felt like wanting to get into a fight a little bit there in the worship at the end. They were kind of getting a little aggressive there. You know what I mean? But I, I, God is actually aggressive and he wants a fight. The son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. That's what the Bible says. And now we are the sons and daughters of the kingdom. The church whose mission statement in its very first announcement by the Lord in Matthew 16 is that the gates of hell won't prevail against it. I've established something that's going to shut and bang and kick against, those are my words because I like to do those types of things, (laughs) against the gates of hell. I'm, I'm creating something militant. And it's this kingdom that's a kingdom of priests. And they're all empowered with me. But they're the carriers of God. And imagine having this mindset of faith if it's there. If you've cracked the door open, Lord, then I'm going to push it open. If you come and it's open to me, I'm not saying we come and we, we just abrasively pursue people that we shouldn't or whatever. I'm saying if it comes in, your, and you can if you want, but it, if it's led by the Lord, I would say. But if, 
something that comes and manifest around yours, it's like, you, it's because you're there. Yeah. I'm going to take it as a green light. It's because I'm here and I'm carrying you and you're with me. Yeah. And that's tough. Amen. That's a tough, that's a, it, it, it can be, it can get hairy a little bit, a little, a little, a little scary, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be. Yesterday we were driving, um, we were taking the girls to the state park, Tyler State Park. We don't go there. It's such a great place. I don't know why you don't go there. It's a great place. <laughs> it's not that far away too, you know? Come on, man. But we're going there. We're right here on Beckham by the hospital where the overpass is. And I told the, the guys, James and, and Anthony and Jake, Jake, because you said I spoke like an English person when I explained the dream to you. Is your leg okay? Or whatever it was. Remember that? I had this dream about this accident that was there a few years back and um, that I was there trying to pray for somebody or whatever right by that overpass. So we're driving to go to the state park. So we're heading north on Beckham right there. And um, there's a full-blown head-on collision. It's a five-lane road. The middle lane's a turning lane. Somebody that's going the opposite direction of us just pulls into the left. I'm in the far right lane, so we're one lane over, and head-on collisions right into a woman. Bang! They both hit each other. They were both going forward. Nobody was stopped. Never seen anything like that. Traumatic, dude. It's been messing me up for a couple days, to be honest, since it happened yesterday. It's like, whew. And um, we were the next car. We were one lane over and, you know, 20 feet away as it happened. And we're talking like you're, you're watching the road, but you don't realize it. But it looked like an explosion because you just see plastic parts just pop off in front of you. And, but it stayed directly in their lane. It didn't come into our lane. But we were right there. We, it, it was probably meant for us, in my opinion, to be honest, demonically. That's what I thought. But can't prove that obviously but it's like it, it was so demonic it was so like why would you get into that lane and go forward like that's there's two lanes here you got two lanes and there's a turn lane like doesn't make no sense didn't make no sense guy in a Toyota Tacoma hits a lady in a small SUV both of them like accordions crushed face to face we look I mean I'm like whoa tense and we drive right through the wreckage of it that popped into our lane and I look over and I see the guy's eyes completely closed all the airbags, like it was like, and like he, I was like, well, he's out. He's either dead or he's out cold. And we pulled up. And then I would say the Holy Spirit spoke to me and it's time for you to go. But it was really the Holy Spirit in my wife who spoke to me. <laughs> and I couldn't deny that. It's like, we've got to stop. We've got to, we got to help them. That's, that's a head on collision. It was just like, yeah. And I stopped, which you heard the story about the lady laying in the gutter, if you, you know, last year, like that was the same type of thing, but it wasn't me. But anyways, it was one of those things like, whoa, I haven't been, that's a really bad wreck, but we're the first ones there. Yeah. So I got out of the car and I'm giving Nicole the, what's the street? I'm like giving her my phone, just call the, <laughs> we're at the hospital. We're right outside, two of them, you know, she's taking the phone call and I walk up and there's one lady on the outside of the truck that the guy was knocked out, but by then he was yelling and screaming, you know, of course my legs are on fire and all this cause there's smoke all over the place. And so both the cars are just, yeah, it's, this is a little, this is an adult uh, message. Okay. Yeah. We've got some tough, these are tough boys. Yeah. But um, it, it's just smoke is everywhere. So, you know, you watch movies, you know, what's going to happen. It's going to explode. Boom. You go bang, you know? Uh, so I'm walking. So he's that, but then the other car is a woman and she's screaming cause she's, they're both can't get out of their doors cause they're crunched. And so the doors are closed. And so she's like, She's like, help me, help me. She's like in absolute panic. 
And so I just, <laughs> I literally walked, and my girls are in the back seat, turned around watching me. And so I just walked up to the lady's door and it was dramatic, but you know, there's blood everywhere all over her stuff. Um, and she's just like, I can't get out, I can't get out. And I could not get her out, you know? As incredibly strong as I am, I couldn't get her out. <laughs> Obviously not. But you know, I, I was like yanking on the thing, I couldn't get her out. It was about, she, I had about six or eight inches is that the door would open. And she was freaking out. I was like, well, unlock your door. And she's like trying to, trying to, I was like, yo, it's like, just calm your hand down and put it right there, unlock your door. So I tried to get the back, I couldn't get the back. And, um, and there's just smoke and she's like, I can't get out. Like there's, it's, it's fire. She's speaking Spanish, like it's fire, you know, like, cause it's just so smoky there. And um, I just was like, reached my hand in there and grabbed her arm and I started praying for her. And at first I told her, I was like, I was like, no, it's not. It's, it's gonna be totally fine. Like, you're not gonna catch on fire. It's fine. They're gonna come, we're gonna get the door open. And in my mind, you better be right, boy, because <laughs> you're not going to have no eyebrows tomorrow for a while. You know, this thing goes, dude. You know, that's in your mind. It's like, nope. But it's like, we, we are a kingdom of priests. So this has happened. Maybe the enemy wanted to happen to you, but he wanted to happen to anybody. Regardless of the fact, you were here. That's not a coincidence. So what do you have? Well, the only thing I have is holding that lady's arm and praying for her. And she went from trauma and freaking out to calming down. And then one time I leaned in and said, Jesus Christ, just like that, just so she would know. Who, and she was like, yes. And she had her phone and her phone was on. Her phone was on. So I don't know if she had been on the phone and her, and her car had, blacked, her, had, had shut off because the battery and everything. But so her phone was still on and I could see a name on the top. I don't know who it was. So somebody was there, but she was just holding it. And um, so I got to hold onto her arm and pray for her. And she like settled, like, it's gonna be totally fine. You know, I prayed whatever came out of my mouth, whatever the Lord was giving me. And three cops walked over and, and they ripped that door. And they said, all right, come out. And I was like, she can't come out. Look at her. And, but she ended up coming out. So it's like she was all right enough to move. The other cop came and busted the window open on the other car because that guy was, my legs are on fire, which they weren't. It was just smoke and he thought he was about to get caught on fire. But he was messed up pretty bad. So they pulled him out. He was just laying on the grass on the side of the road. I went over on him. He didn't smell like alcohol or anything because I was like close to him, you know. I just held on to him and prayed for him. Just said, all right, look, I don't, I don't even remember how to do CPR. I used to be a trainer, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to try to chiropractically adjust you or something like that, you know. But I just sat there and prayed with the guy. The cops in the situation were so afraid, the ones that got there, because I think they saw the wreck and were like, this is gonna, I'm going to see things I don't want to see. And I don't know if I can unsee this. I'm, a gang, a fight, you know, great, but not that. To one, one of them, I said, hey, are you all right? And she was like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm walking around like I know something. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It is. But I, but I do, but I'm carrying the Lord. And I'm there. And I've made a pact with my guys, my friends. We're like, yo, if it happens around you, then that means it's, it's not a coincidence. God's in you. I was like, all right, I don't know what the words to say, so I'm just going to pray. And maybe not even in English, I'm just going to go for it, you know what I mean? And, and people, you know, is, the funniest thing is the, the guy that I was praying for, and he was really hurt. The girl seemed like she was going to be all right. Maybe she's just bloody nose and stuff. Maybe that's where the lucky one. The guy was like, you know, he was, he, he was busted up. And, um, but a, a fireman walks up in a fireman outfit. And it's like, you look like you're going to run into a burning building. You got the hat on, the jacket. It was, it was bizarre, man. 
But um, I guess because the calls were like, it's smoking and da 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 da. So he's, so he, I'm sitting there praying for them and nobody acknowledges me. It's like, I belong there. It's like, I have the little Catholic outfit on, you know, like, oh, he's just doing what he's doing. And like, I'm, you know, I don't look like a minister, you know? Uh, so I'm just like, just doing my thing. And, and everyone, it's just a green light. Just do whatever you want. And then um, after a while, you know, get in the car and the girls, and it was a good conversation of like, yo, don't fight in the back seat. Don't throw stuff at us. <laughs> Put your seat belts on like we tell you. See how bad that could be. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then I was just, you know, dealing with the drama after that. But it's like, ooh, it's hard to flush that. But anyways, that's a weird story. But let's close up with that. Anyways, that doesn't really fit this, but it kind of does. You know what I mean? Because we are a chosen race. We're a royal priesthood. We are, as Jesus said, we are a kingdom of priests. Amen. Revelation 1, like, that, that's actually who we are. Yes. And, you know, this reality that we're living, um, it's like wherever we're at, that's our job. Yeah. And it's just like, hey, I don't have time for this. I have the message to write tomorrow. I want it to be really good. And, you know, we've got to take the girls somewhere. And Nicole wants to go. go. You know, we're going to do all these things. And I'm going to come back. I'll, like, I don't have time to do all that. Let's just call 911 and somebody deal. It's like, no, no, no. Like, one of the agents of heaven is here. Well, good. Maybe he'll pray for him. Like, no, you are him, buddy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like there's something to the reality of us taking our authority that we leave laying down so often. I will, I've talked to some of my friends about this. Like, you know, I'll, I'll be stressed out about a situation going on with people or something else. And somebody's manifested something I really want to get right. And it'll, it'll stress me out or put pressure on me. Or maybe I'll even be annoyed by it. And just, uh, and it's like, hey, knock, knock. Like, hey, I've... Have you taken your authority and applied it to that situation? And it's like, oh my gosh, you mean by like actually bringing it to the Lord in prayer and releasing it to him? It's like, oh yeah, that's kind of your actual real, that's my job. You know what I mean? But it's all of our jobs. We leave so much authority on the ground because God is actually in us. And some of the things that eat our lunch, we don't actually bring it to the Lord and release it to him and allow him to work on our behalf and let the game kind of come to us as it comes. Connection is everything with him. He, the, the veil being torn, like the separation being, being dispelled, that it was only in our minds and he's brought us very close and it's not a reality anymore. It's like, hey, we're empowered because we know him and he is in us. Right. And we can't leave our authority on the ground. Yes. And as Christians, a lot of times we want to pick up our authority and name it and claim it as soon as it comes into our vessel. As soon as the doctor calls and says, we have something that's growing in us or some lump on our elbow that's yellow or green, or you have this situation in somebody you really care about, then we can become very spiritual. But imagine taking every thought captive to the authority of the one who is in us and living this way all the time so that when an emergency does happen and we go knocking and trying to swing that bat, we, we've never developed it, and it almost never really plays, and never really works. Yeah. But like, it doesn't even take faith, it's become our nature right. to abide and take the authority of the cross, the Lord Jesus, the power that he's given us. It's like, we can fish on the wrong side of the boat and be thinking like, man, this just isn't working. But when it's with him, it's like, just put it on the other side. That's the only thing that changed in that. Not a 12 foot of separation or 10 or however wide their boat was. It was that one they did at the direction of the Lord and the other one they did on their own, in their own strength. And when we do our, live our life in Him, acknowledging Him, what's that? 
Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't rely on your own understanding or what, what you're qualified to do, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He directs your path. And like, He puts us in situation in all of our ways, we actually take up the authority of God and manifest it. John lived his life from the other side of the cross and was unkillable, right? The God, you know, Peter and the, and the guys fished on the other side of the boat and it was incredibly fruitful but there's something of coming into this reality of what it means to live on the other side it means to take our authority we're seated in places we're seated in him in the heavenly places ephesians 2 6 says and and to and to steer our life in that direction and we will be fruitful and multiply as we do it's the way it works so lord we thank you for this day we thank you for the truth that is your word i ask that you would continually that, that you in us, Christ within us, the hope of glory, would become such a reality that we don't lay our authority down. That we take up the authority of knowing you and bringing you into every sphere or circle of our life. And that will shine like stars in heaven. Amen. And I can close too. You want me to close? Yeah, well I just did, so we can. Um, I wanted to share a word actually that I got during worship and I meant to do it. Um, before he started his message, um, and I forgot when he was talking, I was like, wow, that really went with the words, so I'm going to share it because it must be important. But I felt very simply that there were going to be breakthroughs in people's fears, like especially I felt like with things that we've started, um, like businesses and stuff, I felt like there were going to be breakthroughs for people who have been looking for that. And I felt like the Lord wanted to encourage us that they're not just for us we would benefit from them and we'll like see fruit from them and it will be really prosperous for us but it's really for other people as well i felt like there are people that god is waiting to reach um that there's just no place for and by us advancing and having breakthroughs in those areas it's going to make room for other people to come in and actually benefit from our relationship with the lord and so um I mean, that just went so well with the message. I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot to say that. So, um, yeah, I'll go ahead and close. Yeah, and she's not a scribe. This is, this is, this is lived every single day. That's all I hear about. Kind of like a broken record, to be honest, but not in a bad way. Every day, people that are at that salon that she owns are getting their minds blown. They're getting prayed for, they're getting words, they're always crying. Uh, just all the time and it's people all over the city you know and and it's just it's every single day so that's real anyway yeah but to truly look for okay like i'm being blessed now i'm seeing breakthrough in my sphere and how can this affect other people i'm around how can i invite them in how can i make place for people so i really felt like that was a word from the lord this morning Mm -hmm.